when the early church began. So, um, but yeah, have you ever thought that <laughs> sometimes there's a, a discrepancy between what we experience and what those those early disciples mm-hmm. experienced? And um, sometimes, um, you know, it can it can the Christian life can can be difficult, and sometimes you can feel dry inside, and um, yeah, like like you're like you're laboring. Mm-hmm. Um, so just just think about those questions. I'm going to come back to them later on in, in the talk. But uh, let's go back to the church um, and the people of God being the new temple. So so first and foremost, church is um, is where God's presence dwells, and it's not busyness. It's not flash buildings. It's not work. Um, it's the presence of God dwelling in the midst of his people and it's it's easy to lose sight of that fact as as we come to do church um but but that's the central most important thing it's god dwelling in our midst and it's an extension of the message of jesus that we as individuals are also the temple of god and i thought well, what's the difference between us as individuals being temples and us gathered together as a temple and um and this verse came to mind. And now you have become living building stones for God's use in building his house. So that's, that's how us as individuals come together and how God is building his house, which is the dwelling place, his dwelling place. So let's, um, let's think about this, the implications of this idea. And, and let's think back to the Temple of Solomon. You know, um, King Solomon built that magnificent temple. Um, what was its function? What what was it there for? Place where God could speak to people. Yep. So it was a remember the Ark of the Covenant was in the Holy of Holies and the and the Ark contained well it, it seems a ridiculous thing to say, contained the presence of God, but God's presence uh, was manifest in, in the Ark of the Covenant and it was in the Holy of Holies. And only the high priest could go in there once a year and evidently he had little bells on his tassels in, in case he died, they could kind of drag him back out <laughs> So pretty uh, awe-inspiring place that was. So, But a place to fear, that, that's probably a big difference. A, pla- a place to fear. You wouldn't go in there. If you, if you weren't the high priest and it wasn't on that special occasion and on that special day, you would not dare to go in there. <clears throat> what else? The presence of God, what else? To worship. Yep. Yeah, uh, to, to, for people to come and worship. Glory. Glory. Yeah, yeah, the glory of God. The glory of God, yeah. Place to offer sacrifices for sin. And, and so if you, if you were, if you heard about the God of Israel back in, in those days and you wanted to get in touch with the God of Israel, what, what would you do? You'd go to the temple. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you so, offer some sacrifices and stuff. Yeah. 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 So that's that's what the temple and the temple of Solomon was for. Now, if you if you kind of translate that into um, our day and uh, the change that happened at Pentecost, we become so the, instead of the, uh, the the presence of God being in the holy of holies, we. Uh, that are admittedly jars of clay, as the scripture says. We, we're not, we're, no, we're not 
<laughs> Jared play isn't that like awesome, <laughs> um, but it contains a treasure, and that treasure is the presence of God. <clears throat> it's a place, you know, when we gather together, we we can worship, and God God comes in our midst. It's a place to offer, sac- you know, the scripture talks about the sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. So we instead of offering animals, which actually never took away sin. Um, we can offer sacrifices of praise and thanksgiving. <clears throat> but what, what really um, kind of struck me was, was this idea that if someone, if someone wanted to meet God, all they need to do is go to a Christian, you know, in theory, <laughs> you know what I mean? And then they should be able to meet God. And, that we, and, and especially if, if someone really wanted to meet God, they, any, any person should be able to go to any gathering of believers and they should be able to meet God. And sometimes, because I think we lose sight of this reality, that we are, as a, as a group of people, a small part of the temple of God, where God is, we sometimes, and, and it's easy um, in leading a church, it's easy to start focusing on <coughs> busyness and programs and whether the music's right and all this kind of stuff. And we sometimes forget that, first and foremost, the dwelling of God is here. <clears throat> so we are that place we are that place where the, where the presence of God dwells which is an incredible truth and so our first priority our, our first goal I think is to really seek the Lord and ask his presence to come and, and as it were <clears throat> get ourselves out of the way so people can meet God Right, and when you think about that in, in that context, um, a lot of things become clear about what our priority should be. <clears throat> so the idea that the God of the universe, the God that created the distant galaxies and stars, and and who creation is is uh, minuscule and and compared to His presence, would come and dwell here in, in our midst, is mind-boggling. Uh, and as a wonderful treasure. <clears throat> but it's um, it's very easy to to think you believe something, uh, but live as though it's not true. And uh, I've, I've been reading a bit of Jordan Peterson, and he he's he reckons that. There's actually very few true atheists in the world um, because um, his opinion is that atheists say most atheists say there's no God and then proceed to live as though there is. They, they live as though, <clears throat> like the, the outcome of atheism, if there's no God, is that it's every man for himself and the devil take the highmost. So we, if, if, that was, if that was a logical outcome of atheism, <clears throat> We would live as though that's true. We would it would be us first, and never mind any, anyone else. And we would stand on anyone else to get to get where we want to go, and we wouldn't care about them. But a lot of atheists are really nice people. They, they care for other people. They they give generously. Um, they they live as though there's meaning in life and things like that. Whereas if atheism is true, there is no meaning in life. There is no good and evil and all that kind of stuff. So it's an interesting idea, isn't it? That we can we can say, oh, we give mental assent to that. But actually, we live in a way that um, it doesn't match up. 
But I think it's so, it's the, it can be said of us as Christians too. We, we, can, we can say, oh yeah, I believe that. But the way we live uh, may not necessarily <clears throat> back that up. And this is what Jordan, this is a really interesting quote. Um, he said, you can only find out what you actually believe rather than what you think you believe. So there's a difference there, what you actually believe, what you think you believe, by watching how you act. You simply don't know what you believe before that. You are too complex to understand yourself. So, I mean, I, I'm not sure that Jordan Peterson calls himself a Christian, but he's, he's, um, he's touching on this idea that we're so complex that we can, we can hide, <laughs> hide the truth from ourselves, if you like. It's a crazy, crazy thing. <clears throat> so that's why it's important that when we hear a truth like the church is the place where God dwells, really important to think about, okay, so how am I living that out? Where's the, where's the evidence that I believe that and what I'm doing? <clears throat> and this is what uh, Tim Keller had to say. If a group of people actually come together and build their lives on the reality that God is present in their midst, if a group of people come together and actually take that seriously, not cynically, and say, this is what we're going to build our lives on, the presence of God expresses itself. Alright? So, so he's saying, take, take it from like a, yeah, that's an idea that I, I, I think I believe. And he's saying, take that and make it a, a foundational building block of, of our lives. Okay? The presence of God will express itself. The more we live, the more we ask Him to help us live this reality that in our midst, this is where the, the God of the universe dwells. <clears throat> so I think um, as a church, um, we've started down this track, but I think we're only just starting to unwrap the present. And there's a lot more unwrapping to do and a lot more exploring, a lot more growing to, to really build our lives on this truth and I'd really love us as a church to do this, to build our lives on this truth more than, more than anything else because this, this is the engine, this is the engine of the church, the, the, the yearning for God, the, 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 the delight of being in God's presence the, the joy and the fulfillment and the, and the love of God that's flowing through us and in us that, that's, the, that's the, the passion, that's the that gives us the drive to do everything else. So the presence of God, this idea that God is in our midst, is the engine of the church. It should overflow out yeah. of us, shouldn't it? That's right. That's right. And that's that's where that's where I'd love I'd love for us to be for the, the presence of God to be tangibly here. I, I can I can feel the presence of God here now. It's awesome. Mm. It's wonderful. Um, I'd love. I'm, yeah, I won't get ahead of myself. <clears throat> so talking about the presence of God. Um, there are different degrees to to the presence of God, and I, I want to give you an example from um, when I went to a Coldplay concert um, a few years ago. It was in Victor Arena. I don't know if you've been to Victor Arena, but they've got those seats right up the back. <laughs> we had the cheap seats, so we, we were right up the back, and you could just about you know need binoculars to see Coldplay out the front. Now it was actually easier to look at the big video screens um, on either side of the stage, and then. Um, they played a whole bunch of their songs and thought, oh man, I'm loving this. And suddenly they walked off the stage and they started walking down the back and then they disappeared. And I thought, well, that's a bit lame. You know, it's a, like it seemed really short. And I was like, if that's it, man, I'm pretty gutted. And then suddenly they popped up on a B stage, a 
probably about from me to Clive, away from where we were sitting. And and they they did a whole lot of acoustic songs like that. We were, we were that close, and I was like, oh, it's like buzzing out, you know. And then and then they eventually they went back up the stage um, um, later on. But um, I think so. So at all times in that concert, we were in the presence of Coldplay, right? We Coldplay were there, and and we were right at the back, and then. They came really close to us, and we were, but we were still in their presence. But the degrees of closeness were much closer. And if we paid enough, we could have got backstage passes, and we could have gone out and talked to them face to face, and that would have been even more awesome, you know, It'd been fantastic. So the idea, you know, we can be in the presence of God out there. You know, we can be dis, we can be distant. We can, yeah, yeah, we're in the presence of God, but it's like we're up, we're up the back seats. And then we can move closer, and then you know, and God can be closer to us. But we can actually move. So, so the idea is, I think there's a journey to be had, and, and maybe it, it's a journey that never ends. But it's a, it's a, it's a d desire, and to be led by this long to be close to the Lord. And and the more um, we we ask the Lord, Lord, come, manifest your presence here among us. Lord, we seek your face, and. We, we'll get closer and, you know, the journey, it'll be a journey of, of growing closer and closer to God. <clears throat> so, um, yeah. So, the closer, the closest you can be to someone is talking with them face to face, right? And it's really interesting in Chronicles, there's this verse that many of you will be familiar with. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. So there's, like, there's this phrase there, seek my face. Well, what does that mean? If I was to seek Bill's face, well, I'd ring up Nolene and find out where Bill is for a start. And then I'd jump in my car and I'd go, and go to where Bill was and I'd get in Bill's face and we'd have a, have a conversation, wouldn't we? Hopefully. That, hopefully, yeah. <laughs> So that's and that's what it means is to seek to seek someone's face is to do that. And so this is what the Lord is, is calling. It's called up us as a people to do, is to seek his face, which means, okay, let's find out where God is. Lord, we seek your face. And and it's a it's an intentional decision. It's a it's a yes, it's a journey. And yes, sometimes we won't feel close to God for various reasons and things that happen in our life. But overall it's this is our path. This is our journey, of of seeking the Lord's face, and be and to seek closeness with God. <clears throat> and I don't know if you've had had an experience of of being super close to God. Um, I had there's a few times in my life. The most profound experience of of was when the Lord first touched me when I was I must have been about ten years old or something, and I was just overwhelmed was I just I just was so overwhelmed with God's presence that I just started crying and I don't know what was going on. I've never I'd never experienced God's presence like that before. Yeah. And um it was just the most life changing thing that that had happened to me and, and my dad said that I'd changed completely as a person around that time. Mm. I he was actually really worried <laughs> he really worried about me. he, he I got really angry with him one time and he, and he could see that I really wanted to punch him. 
And he was like, <laughs> what's, this, what's this boy going to become? And then around that time I changed completely. And I, and, and I think it was in that time that I, I um, experienced the Holy Spirit in a really powerful and profound way. And, and since then I don't think I've, I've had uh, the same kind of intensity of experience, but I've, I've been in the presence of God where the Holy Spirit has just, has just filled me and I've just been conscious of God's love and, and His love for me and his just and everything was, was good and right. You know what I mean? It's just a really beautiful, really beautiful thing. And there's nothing, when you've experienced the presence of God like that, there's nothing, nothing in life that can, can compare to it. And um, last week, if you, if some of you might not uh, have caught up with it, uh, there was a, I found a testimony of Dwight Moody, who's a, um, an evangelist in the 18th century. And he was walking around New York. He'd been seeking and praying and asking God to, for more of his spirit, more of his power. And the Holy Spirit just blitzed him in, the, in New York. And, and he said the intensity of, of the experience of God's love was so powerful, he actually had to ask God to stop. Yes. <laughs> to stop. I, I, can't, I can't handle any more. And um, if, you, if you've uh, done the Alpha course, you would have heard Nicky Gumbel say a similar thing. Where um, John Wimber was praying for him, he actually got someone. Um, see, there was a there was a time of, of words of knowledge and healing, and uh, they said someone here's got athlete's foot, and and his wife started saying, "Hey, that's you," and he said, "No, no, no, it's not me." He said, "Yes, that's you," and, and eventually his his wife's elbow and got too much, and, and he, he went up the front, and and um, the Lord just really blitzed him and. And John Wimber was praying, more Lord, more of your Holy Spirit. And in the end, Nicky Gumbel was saying, stop, Lord, can't take it anymore. So there's this really powerful um, experience. So, um, yeah, I think that, that the Lord is here, definitely. Um, and I long for more of the Holy Spirit. And J.C. Ryle, uh, who was an Anglican bishop, in the, I think he died in... 1899 he said this we need more of the presence of the holy spirit more in the pulpit more in the congregation more in the pastoral visit more in the school where he is there will be life health growth and fruitfulness where he is not all will be dead tame formal sleepy and cold then let every everyone who desires to see an increase of pure and undefiled religion pray daily for more of the presence of the holy spirit yeah. so i really i love i love the that quote, I love what it expresses. Life, health, growth, fruitfulness. Who doesn't want more of that? And as we as we approach, if we as we get closer to God, there will be more of those things in our in our midst. <clears throat> yeah, so so as I said before, the Holy Spirit, the power of God, his presence in our lives is the engine, engine of the church. So the main point of the sermon today is, is, is a call, an invitation for us all to, to begin to pray daily for more of the Holy Spirit in our own personal lives, um, more over everything else. It, it's, 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 you know, think about it, to, to be close to God, to, to, be, to have the presence of God with us, that's more important than anything else. Everything else will flow out of there. So... Um, and then when we're together, also to pray and seek more of the Holy Spirit in our midst.
And the early church lived this reality that God was in their midst. And they really welcomed the presence of the Holy Spirit. And um, <clears throat> this is what Acts said. So, so, so the presence of the Holy Spirit expressed itself in action. So yes, yes the, the presence of God comes first. And then the presence of God leads to action. And, and the actions in the, of the early church that the Holy Spirit caused to happen are here. And this is what it says. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So there's four things, I think, that, that um, this passage says that were marks of the early church. And that is teaching, community, worship and evangelism. <clears throat> so it says that um, they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. And the Greek word in, in this passage here is used to convey persistence, perseverance, and to continue steadfast and, and to attend continually. So in other words, they dug in, they wrestled, they, they sought the Lord for understanding, they reflected deeply. <clears throat> and part of that process <coughs> is how do I get that truth into my life? How do I make it part of me? <coughs> So that's a bigger journey, right? It's, it's, it's like what Jordan Peterson touched on before. It's, it's, it's easy to, to, to hear a truth and say, yep, but how do I live that out? How do I get it into my heart and, and make it part of my, my life? You can't hide anything from God. No, that's right. So if you feel that you should do something and it's of God, mm. <coughs> that's what I've had to learn, yeah, you yeah. try and do it. Yeah. When you're finished, I'll give you a little thing that I've just learned myself. Yeah, cool. Okay. <clears throat> so Romans 12, 2 says that we are transformed when we change what we believe. And um, and this is easily easier said than done, especially because in the areas that we most need to change in, we're blind. So <laughs> we, can see, we can see each other's um, weaknesses, eh? But we, <laughs> we can't see our, our own. Which is, yeah, very humbling thing sometimes. <laughs> um, so in my journey, the the biggest, you know, I, I I did celebrate recovery for a number of years, and it's and it's easy to think that recovery can be uh, a tick box kind of process, but it's not. I, I found the the biggest revelation, the the biggest um, points of growth, the biggest truths, were what God revealed to me. And that's what brought the change. That's when I thought, wow, I've really been on the wrong track. And, that, and it's, um, the, the new truth has gone into my heart and I've begun to live differently. <clears throat> um, so the, the second one, community or fellowship. The early church was devoted to this. Um, and this, this word, uh, it's koinonia in the Greek. It, it is, is also translated as sharing. <clears throat> and when you when you look back at that at that verse, I mean these guys took sharing to a whole new level, right? I mean to to sell property and share it 
and give that money to the church. Um, it's a remarkable, amazing thing to do. And um, yeah, it just, it, it kind of seems, it seems like over the top to us in our Western society now. But it was, it sounded like it was commonplace back then. <clears throat> but to also be in community means to confess our sins to one another. James 5 says, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so you, you may be healed. So it takes a depth of relationship before that, that can happen, eh? Trusting. <clears throat> Trusting, yeah. And community is also uh, bearing one another's burdens. Um, and that's, I'd like to think that as a, as a church family we're doing that, we're, we're bearing one another's burdens. <clears throat> but ultimately I think to be in community is to give others, like each one of us, uh, permission to hold us accountable. And that kind of swims directly against our, our current Western civilization, which is, I'm not accountable to anyone apart from myself. So, so this, as, as we're living out the presence of God, um, there's this aspect where we give each other permission to, be, um, to hold us accountable. <clears throat> so perhaps, you know, it would be, you know, the, our, our civilization says that happiness is the, is the most important thing. And I think um, that's totally insufficient uh, as, a, as a life goal. And perhaps we should, you know, start to actively reject this, this cultural narrative that we've got and embrace the idea that, that every experience in life can be used to develop our character that, we can, that can draw us closer to God. And remember from our study in James, James said, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. So there's nothing about happiness there. <laughs> right? <clears throat> so James is saying that the most important thing in life is that we grow to be like Christ, we mature. And we grow closer to the Lord. And that's the most important thing. So the third thing, worship. Um, the, the passage says that they gather daily in the temple. That's, a, that's amazing when you think about it. Um, they must have been close to the temple. <laughs> they, they must have lived out in the country like we do. Because it's a bit of a mission to get into, into the temple. But they get, again, they gather together. They broke bread. That's, that's communion. Uh, that's part of our worship. But worship is, is primarily a response to what God has done. And, you know, one of the things I, I most love, and when I think about this idea, worship comes easily, worship comes naturally. And this, this idea is the truth <clears throat> that, that because of what Jesus has done, God has forgiven all of our sins, our past, our present, our future sins. And therefore God is a safe person to run to. That God is a safe person to be in his presence <clears throat> and um, you know as we as we seek the Lord as a church you know who knows you might even see some of the signs and wonders that the early church saw that would be amazing and the fourth one evangelism you know it's it's, it's amazing that the, the first manifestation of the Holy Spirit on the early church was to speak in the languages of other nations to communicate God's love 
and God's power and that, um, and that God was for um, everyone. So, so God's heart is clearly to reach out to others. And um, <clears throat> yeah, this is, we can see this in, in this great commission that Jesus gave just before he ascended. He said, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. So the command go, and surely I am with you. So, so evangelism is something we do with God. So again, as we pray for more of the Holy Spirit, I think we can, we can expect opportunities for evangelism to come and, as, and to reach out to others with this wonderful news that they can experience the presence of God for themselves through what Christ has done on the cross. <clears throat> so, yeah, just to... To round this off, I, I really um, yeah invite you uh, to to pray daily with me. I've started to pray daily for more of the Holy Spirit, and um, yeah, it's it's one wonderful. I kind of yesterday I was I was started to feel a bit crook, and um, that that quote from J C Ryle came back there more of more of your health. You know, as we pray for more of the Holy Spirit, there'll be more health. And say, Lord, I can't afford to get sick now. My wife's sick. Yeah, I need to preach tomorrow. <laughs> I can't afford to get sick. Lord, may your presence of your Holy Spirit come and bring your health. And and then the the feelings of, of kind of being crooked away was was really really amazing. I was so stoked. Um, so yeah, it's the Holy and and it wasn't you know it wasn't a striving. It was just like Lord, come and and deal to this sickness. And you know, he gave, he's here. I am preaching now. <laughs> so, um, yeah, part of the call is to go out, and um, I've contacted Christians Against Poverty. You know, we've been talking about Christians Against Poverty, working with them. Um, they, 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 as you know, their primary ministry is to is to help people who are struggling financially, and they've got a, a training day for. Uh, a budgeting course on the 19th of September so if you're keen to join me in that um, the idea is that we'll go along we'll get trained up on how to run a budgeting course and then um, when we find a new venue which will, uh, this is something that we need to do this year I think um, we will we will hold a budgeting course for the community where God leads us and we'll see who, see what the Lord does so we'll go, and that's one way that we can go. Um, and the Lord might bring other ways that we can go um, to mind. So, yeah, keep that in mind. 19th of September, uh, it's at 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. So, yeah, we'll try and, that's, that's the goal. And we'll see who the Lord brings. So, um, in the meantime,